Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we are bringing you another episode of Talking in Circles. Tonight, we're breaking down the entire weekend from... Bristol Motor Speedway, Motor Weekend NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series event, NASCAR Xfinity Series event on Friday, and of course the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series event on Saturday night. That's all. Denny Hamlin get his 35th career win in the fourth of 2019. We'll talk about all that in the Xfinity Series race and the Truck Series race. The trucks had their first race in the playoffs this weekend at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. We'll get your opinions on it as well. 917-889-8280 is the number to call here tonight. If you want to discuss anything, and there was certainly a lot to discuss last from last night's race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Hamlin had a fast car at the end, was able to close the gap and pass Matt Benedetto, who was sort of the Cinderella story of Saturday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Led late, um, you know, but lap traffic sort of impeded his progress there. And I guess we'll start there, and we'll start with um, Spencer Cowan there. I know we were t- texting uh, outside of, of the show. We were texting during the race, and you were not happy with uh, Ryan Newman's uh, decision to race Matt Benedetto as hard as he did towards the end of that race. And now, obviously, um, there was some contact made between Benedetto and Newman. Uh, it seemed as though Benedetto's car wasn't as fast after the contact was made, um, and Hamlin was able to catch him with just about eight or nine laps to go and able to pull away and get to the victory, and DiBenedetto ended up in the second position. What were your thoughts on that whole final run there, Spencer? I mean, DiBenedetto had a great run. He was able to get a great restart. It seemed like he was able to really pull away and have a fast race car, but just just didn't have enough there at the end. What were your thoughts on that final run there for DiBenedetto and Hamlin? I mean, I think we can all agree he's done his uh, job in that 95 car over at Levine Family Racing, and um, the business side always doesn't come out for the driver. Um, you know, Bob Levine, he's real open on Twitter with people asking him questions, and he just said, um, you know, it's just the business side of it. And he goes, we have another year if we want to, but, you know, it's just not, you know, with a guy coming over that brings sponsorship, it's, you know, it's business. And um, a lot of people don't understand the business, but anyways, um, no, he, he had a good restart. He put it, I think, you know, he squeezed his way in. I think three wide could be wrong, but he made a he made a great move to get to second and was able to take the lead. And I, he's just, the, he, you know, it's Bristol short track. You don't have to have the best car, but he was fast all weekend. So I think we have to give props uh, first to that team and what they've been able to do and Mike Wheeler over there. Um, so anyways, he was able to get the lead. And um, so I guess I'll go ahead and touch on the uh, Newman thing. I get, you know, you're racing for your team, your sponsors. You know, it's what you're paid to do. I understand that. But when you're – and, yes, mind you, he is on the lead lap. But when the leaders are coming all the way around the racetrack and they are all over the ass into you, are you, and I get it, he don't know if a caution is going to come out. But they're going to get around you anyway because their car is obviously better than you because they just went around the whole track and caught up to you. Yes, he's got a race. I get that. But you need to have – and I'm I'm on both sides. You know, you can either agree with me or disagree with me. I'm speaking my opinion, and this goes for anybody listening. Uh, or um, So I feel like you have to have a little bit more respect, and Newman would want the same respect, but he doesn't get – Newman races that. If he's two laps down, three laps down, that's just how he races. And, yes, he's on the lead lap. But I think in the contact, I get it. He didn't mean to hit him. You know, he didn't go in here saying, I'm going to touch him. But you made a great point when we were talking. If Matt Benedetto wins this race, it makes Newman's chances of making the playoff way harder. And I totally agree with you. But I feel like if the leaders went around the track and caught you, just move over. Or not move, just don't race him as hard. He's going to get around you either way. He obviously has a better car. So, and once, you know, they made contact, he was, he got uh, tight. And, you know, I honestly think if Newman wouldn't have raced him hard and at least made the contact, I think. Benedetto could have held off um, Denny for the last 15 laps. I mean, if you're tight, you know, that ruins, um, you know, that's bad. You know, your laps are going to be a little bit slower. You can't turn, roll the center the way you want to. And, you know, it's very unfortunate for him. I hope he gets a ride. But, unfortunately, there's not really a lot of uh, options for him at this moment. Um, 
You know, he's not a guy that brings a lot of sponsorship, but I think we can both agree he's one of them lower-level drivers, or all three of us can agree that he's one of them lower-level drivers that deserves a top ride. He's proven um, and he's everything he needs to prove. Um, all he needs is just a win now, and he's been close. He's done a hell of a job in that car, and, uh, I'm, you know, he's a guy that you can pull for. You know, I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to go out and buy his hats and T-shirts and die cast, but I sure will uh, pull for him on the racetrack and love to see him win and do good. So, it's uh, like I said, I'm on both sides of it. It's a little hard when you have a guy race that way. He's cost other guys that win, uh, wins. He cost Elliott a win at Dover. Yes, he was on the lead lap there too, but you got Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch on your ass. You might want to move over because they're obviously better than you. But, you know, he's doing his well, job, and that's hats off to him. Yeah, and I think that's the whole point is, you know, you, you brought up a uh, fair point when you said, you know, they're probably going to pass you anyway. Well, if their cars are, are good enough, they should be able to pass the lap cars. And listen, Ryan Newman is notorious, notorious for being extremely difficult to pass. And I, I read something about somebody saying, well, you know, he's not in a very competitive race car. Ryan Newman is in the playoffs. And if – and listen, if there's a caution that comes out and he is – on the lead lap, you never know what can happen on a restart. He might be able to gain four or five spots, and those four or five spots that he would gain on a restart are huge. They're huge, and you could say, well, you could still get the lucky dog. Sure, but then you can start at the rear of the field when you get the lucky dog. So you lose all that track position, and at Bristol, that is very, very important. Um, so I, if I'm Ryan Newman and I'm fighting for my life on the end of the lead, you have to. You have to do that for your team. Sure, he's probably not going to win the championship this year, but there's sponsors out there who pay money to be on his car. He owes it to his team to go out there and run as hard as he can. Sure, it stinks Matt Benedetto was hindered by that, but at the end of the day, I don't expect Ryan Newman to move over. I don't think, you know, I, I don't understand how uh, the mentality of, of telling guys, well, you should move over. It's supposed to be hard to pass these guys. And if your car is fast enough like the Benedetto's was, you should be able to pass the 11th place driver pretty easily. Um, and I understand it's a, it's, it's a short track, and I think really the biggest problem with that was, and I know Philip will probably touch on this a little bit as well, was there was two lap cars around Ryan Newman when that happened, two cars that were extremely off the pace running in two different lines, one high and one low, and they were about eight or ten laps down throughout the night. So to me, those guys who are racing for – 33rd, 10 laps down, are a bigger fault than Ryan Newman, who's hanging on to the end of the lead lap, doing everything he possibly can to put himself in the best opportunity possible for his race team, which is his job as a driver. Um, and, and, again, I, I feel bad for Matthew Benedetto. It stinks. Uh, it really does, especially if, if he thinks and he said at the end he felt like it did. It hurt the handling of his race car. It stinks. But to me, Philip, I, I just – I don't think Ryan Newman's at fault for doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, I've never been a – I've not – I've unabashedly never really been a fan of Ryan Newman. He's – he's. Uh, I would go further on what I really think of him. I've done that on other um, entities, but – and he said things about certain people over time that are probably responsible for him still having a job uh, that I didn't really appreciate. What happened last night is is racing, and, and Spencer talked about it. You talked about it, too, that he's notorious. It's basically Newman by a country mile, and then I think there's maybe two or three other guys that make it virtually impossible no matter what to try to pass him. And he's made his career this way. And he is battling for a champion to make the playoffs. And Di Benedetto winning, I don't, wasn't going to completely affect his playoff situation. It was going to ruin the Stuart Haas situation for sure. Uh, but the the contact there was was you know incidental, but the problem with these cars is they're so dependent on that front end, you know that it kind of he lost that front end there, but Hamlin had a faster car, came back and and passed him. Uh, it's unfortunate for the ninety five for him especially. He was really emotional about it, and uh, and it's sad, but. 
you know, the reality is the way there's other drivers out there that were way worse over the entire evening uh, during that 500 laps that probably should have been parked. And if NASCAR actually had a clue, uh, they would have parked them. And maybe then there would have been room for Newman to run his own line and then Di Benedetto to kind of get around him. Uh, but it worked out the way it did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Di Benedetto gets a second place finish, career best finish for him. And uh, Hamlin uh, asserts himself as a title favorite um, as after this victory, uh, his second victory at Bristol. He he really does, and that's a that's a fair point. But you talk. I want to get on your first point there with the cars that should have probably, to me, that that just were way off the pace. Two of them in particularly, Quinhalf and, and Kyle Weatherman. Kyle Weatherman didn't have any issues that I'm aware of in that race. He was 26 laps down. I mean, that's hard to do in this day and age. Quinhalf was not much better. He was 22 laps down. Um, so. That to me, and, and those, I think it might have even been the, the 27 and maybe um, Reed Sorensen's car. I'm not really, uh, at that point yeah, in the Sorenson, race, I think it might have been Reed Sorensen's car. But um, I think those two were, were, were fighting for, uh, for real estate at that point. So, listen, I, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a, I feel bad for D. Benedetto. It was a great story, and it's still a great story. For what happened, you know, with a small team like like Levine family going up there and competing for a win at Bristol Motor Speedway. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. We're gonna get to a call here. Quentin in Minnesota. Hello, Quentin. How are you? How are you doing, bud? It's been a while. Good. Um, yes. What do you want to talk about? Anything that sticks out for you last night as far as the Deep Benedetto and Ryan Newman situation? Well, not so much as far as uh, others that. Had some uh, spoilers going on. Um, I I got to tell you, when it comes down to uh, the practice speeds and everything, as far as Matt D, um, this was kind of the scenario that I expected to play out. I didn't expect it to be uh, Denny Hamlin. I really uh, loved the fact that sorry I'm getting uh, all kinds of chimes on your show by the way um, but yeah I I did not expect it I expected it to be another Matt Benedetto falling to 7th, 8th whatever but dudes came on lately Yeah, he really has, Clinton. I agree with you there, uh, you know, especially lately. I think, you know, when, when we talk about what DiBenedetto has done in the 95 this year, you know, you got you really got to remember, he got off to a little bit of a rough start. Now, I there's certain factors that I'm sure play into that uh, as far as why they struggled. Um, you know, but uh, Michigan, he was 26th in the standings and his best finish was 12th at Bristol. So he wasn't like going out there and leading laps and winning races and really competing, but I felt, and for whatever reason, I felt like Toyota in particular found something at Sonoma, at the road course at Sonoma, where they just seemed to, to click. I mean, Toyota was dominant. If everybody remembers, you know, Toyota was dominant that day. I think they had uh, all five of their cars finish in the top six, if I remember correctly, looking at it now. Uh, all five of their cars finish in the top eight, Toyota. So they were really, really strong that day at Sonoma. And since then, I felt like Toyota's been just a step above even Ford and Chevrolet. So, you know, that seems like when that 95 is really picked up. An eighth at Daytona he had, which was a good run for him. Uh, fifth at Loudon, which was a solid day. A nice sixth-place run at Watkins Glen. And a second last night and led 93 laps at Bristol. So, certainly it's been a, um, it's been a, a, a good last couple of weeks for Matthew Benedetto. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. But the guy I really uh, feel – has really proven himself lately is Denny Hamlin. Uh, Philip touched on a little bit earlier. I think Hamlin right now is as close to a championship contender as he's been since his debacle in 2010 when, you know, he they lost that race at Phoenix after running out of gas. 
and then couldn't hold it at, at Homestead. And I feel like Hamlin, for whatever reason that year, they were, they've never been able to, to really come back and be as strong as they were from that point on until this year. I feel like the, the move they made to Chris Gabehart over there on that 11 team has, has been great. And that's not saying Mike Wheeler's a bad coach chief because Mike Wheeler almost beat Chris Gabehart last night. But Hamlin seems focused. He seems – this is the best I've seen Denny Hamlin since 2010. And that's saying something because he's a very, very strong race car driver. Uh, he's somebody to watch out for. He's a guy who can win anytime, anywhere. And quietly, and we'll touch on this in a little bit, quietly Kyle Busch has struggled a little bit. We haven't seen the same Kyle Busch. They struggled a little bit at Michigan. He came out and said, eh, we weren't that great. And even last night, this is one of Kyle Busch's best racetracks ever. He comes out to Bristol and dominates all the time. He really wasn't part of the show last night. I know he won a stage, but he was kind of behind, and, and they got some track position and really, that really uh, played into their hands, especially at the end. And I know he finished fourth, but Kyle was not the same Kyle Busch, and he even came out in the end of the race and said, we need to be better. Uh, so they're just a little bit off right now, that 18 team. So right now, to me, and the 19 we haven't seen as good, the 20 kind of spit it up a little bit last night. So right now, the 11 is the best team at Toyota, I think, and they're the best organ. They're the best manufacturers. So right now, at this point, as we sit two races to go until with regulars in the regular season, to me, Denny Hamlin is the best driver on the best team right now. Unless things change here before we get to the playoffs. What you got another point, uh, Quentin? You want to get to before we? Uh, I do. Uh, move on from here tonight. On the fact that uh, Matt De Benedetto, I expected a lot better results coming out of the gate. And um, it hasn't been, but I still think that he's one of the best uh, backmarkers to post his front positions um, that he has done this year. And uh, when I look at the most recent results, you know, the four top tens and then couple of them being top fives. I I still would think that an owner needs to take a hard look at him. And, um, you know, I don't give her rats trying to keep my language appropriate here. But he, uh, Chevy, Ford, whatever, um, I think he's going to come to the forefront. Um, I thought it was going to be yeah. this year, but give him another chance. He's uh, he's obviously got the skills, and I wish that way with Ross Chastain. You know, give him the right opportunity, right. and he's gonna. He's going to throttle to the forefront. So, Yeah. Well, Quentin, thanks so much for calling. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Uh, it is a, an interesting point as far as where he goes, and we're certainly going to dive into that, guys. I want to dive into what's next for Benedetto here on Talking Circles a little bit later. Um, so, and, and really, there's a lot of drivers out there. There's speculation as far as what's going to happen with them. Um, but, you know, to go back to, to Bristol here, you know, I felt like Hamlin is, is like I said earlier, guys, is, is right on cue. You have Kozlowski, who I thought had a pretty good day. He led 91 last, which is the second most of anybody uh, at Bristol. Um, but I felt like he was just not as fast as, as the other guys. I thought Kyle Busch had a decent day in fourth, like I said, but he wasn't nearly as good as dominant as he's been. Chase Elliott was up front all day. Larson was really good until he got into an incident and was really never the same. He kind of got a piece of an accident and was really never the same after that. Boyer and Suarez. Boyer needed a good day, had a decent day. Suarez, the same deal. Kurt Busch, ninth, and then Ryan Blaney, who was involved in a wreck and still managed to come home in the 10th spot. A nice job there. Uh, anybody else, Philip, that sticks out to you in the top 10? Uh, at Bristol? I mean, it, in terms of the top 10, the battle between the two Stuart Haas guys, I mean, Boyer got taken out by one of those, uh, the Rick Ware, one of them Rick Ware, Jay Robinson cars. 
and then Suarez avoided that wreck, uh, and and they ended up swapping places in the end. Larson had a good car early. It didn't come around later. Elliott was there early. Everything kind of landed right for them. Uh, Kyle Busch, they, I read somewhere where he was not happy that they're not and they're nowhere near uh, the 11 or the 19 at this moment, and he's getting frustrated. And I think we'll talk about that more when we're going into the Xfinity, uh, considering he's been running a couple Xfinity races and neither of them have worked out in his favor. I, I honestly, and I and Kurt Busch, it's one of his best tracks. That family has figured out Bristol Motor Speedway for they've been there since 2002. The Bush family has been the best, really, and um, thought he had a chance to win this race uh, last night. Things didn't really work out for him. He won a stage, though. Uh, the playoff point will help him in his uh, cause to uh, make two rounds. Uh, for sure, Blaney, he needed – it's for him, it's not like he's really worried about falling out of the playoffs, but getting a top-10 finish is good momentum building and uh, a positive, a net positive for that team uh, because they've been lacking that for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think it was uh, – there was a lot of drivers who needed decent days that had them, and there were certain drivers who – didn't have good days that really needed them. Uh, another driver that sticks out to me, guys, that you look at and you say probably could have performed a little bit better than what he did. Actually, not probably. He could have. Four laps down in 19th was Jimmy Johnson. This is a guy who's never missed the playoffs. Never missed the playoffs in his entire career. Uh, he's a big trouble right now when you look at the playoffs as far as making these playoffs are concerned. Uh, he's basically going into a Hail Mary mode, guys. Um, where when you look at it, you say, hey, you know, is this exactly what you expected from Jimmy Johnson? I mean, he is 26 points out from Daniel Suarez right now. And I like Jimmy Johnson. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think that crew chief change was premature. I thought it was kind of a desperation move. And since the change, and I know it's only been a couple of races, really since Jimmy Johnson made that move, really since Hendrick Motorsports made that move to Cliff Daniels from Kevin Mendering, but it has not improved anything. Cliff Daniels came in right at right before Watkins Glen, and Kevin Mendering was after Pocono, and since then, the last three races, 19th, 34th at Michigan, and 19th at Bristol, the momentum they were looking for, and that's really, what, to me, what they were looking for, the momentum they were looking for after that, that Cliff Daniels would bring to that team has not showed up, and they are now in a situation, to me, Spencer, where they are sort of what I like to call on the Hail Mary situation, where they're going to have to do something spectacular in some kind of strategy, either at Darlington or Indianapolis, to make these playoffs, because points-wise, they're not going to make it. There's just no way they're going to gain 27 points on a competition unless something crazy happens, which we've seen happen in the past. There's just no way to me that they're going to do it. And listen to Jimmy's last couple of finishes. Since they, since Kentucky, 30th, 30th, 15th, 19th, 34th, and again last night, 19th. And I know there's been a crew chief change in the middle of that, but that is not good. That is not how you want to be performing when you're trying to make a playoff spot. And Jimmy Johnson, uh, Allied Financial in their first year on this car, I think uh, Spencer – they're in big trouble as far as the playoffs are concerned. Another lackluster night got involved in a little bit of an accident, but still not what you wanted for Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said, but accident or not, their, their performance still isn't there. and they have, It hasn't been there for a couple of years. Um, and this just goes to prove that it wasn't Chad Canals. Um, You know, they've had Kevin Mendering. The results still didn't show up, and they now they have Cliff Daniels, and the results still aren't showing up. That 48 bunch has just not been there. Um, you know, we're not in the, you know, in that stable and we don't know what's going on, but something's not right with that 48 team. I don't think it's Jimmy Johnson. I don't think he's lost anything. He's still a seven-time champion, and I don't think he's going to get eight, and I don't think he's going to win a race this year. And as you mentioned, he's 26 points from the cut line, and 
that is Ryan Newman. He's plus fourteen, and then you got a, and then you got Clint Boyer at plus minus two and seventeenth. He really he's he's in a must win situation. I don't see them just coming out these last two races and winning a race. Um, Darlington is a tough track, um, and there are too many teams that are really firing off really, really good. I mean, Denny Hamlin's won at Darlington. We could very well see him get his fourth win at Darlington. And then there's one more race and that's Indy for Jimmy Johnson to do. And I just don't see him doing that with how good Bush is there. You know, he's got Brickyard 400 wins. And like I said, there's just too many teams that are too good. And unfortunately I think Jimmy Johnson's going to be the odd man out. Um, and a Hendrick car will be left out of the playoffs and will not compete for his eighth championship. Yeah, he was probably of all the people not to not to sit there and try and um, figure out what's in Jimmy Johnson's brain. But of all the people who probably, you know, had a sigh of relief as far as uh, Matthew Benedetto not winning that race last night, Jimmy Johnson was probably on the top of the list because he probably sat there and said, "Hey, I still have an outside chance at getting in on points if I if I can run really good at Darlington and really good at Indianapolis." You know, and really that what it's going to come down to for him, and this is where I think this 48 team has really struggled, are the stage points. They're going to have to get a lot of stage points in these next two races at Darlington and Indianapolis if he wants to have any chance to make it in on his points. And I'm not talking about eighth-place stage points. I'm talking about third- or fourth-place stage points and then finish there. You know, he, to me, has to get top five finishes and top five stage points in all of these next stages until the regular season to have – a remote chance at making these playoffs. Uh, Darlington, you, you talked about, to me, is a racetrack that you can't really – strategy really doesn't come into play a lot there. It's it's a racetrack I think that's very similar to Bristol as far as the grip is there, um, and I think that's really uh, – aerodynamics don't play as big of a role. It does more recently now at Darlington than it did in the past, but not nearly as big as a place like Michigan or a place like Pocono or something to that nature – so if you really figure out the handle of your race car, you could be in good shape. Indianapolis is a little bit different. You can, I think you can get a little bit on pit strategy. It's such a big racetrack. You could kind of do something unique and crazy to get you off a little bit on pit sequence and maybe find yourself at the front of the field and maybe pulling off a win. I mean, we almost saw Trevor Bain pull off a miracle win there two years ago um, with a wreck fest that happened at Indianapolis. So to me, that's the race where you look at for Jimmy, and you say that's the race he's going to have to try and win is Indianapolis. He's been there, he's been decent there in the past, but it has not been a good good weekend for him. Uh, something else I want to touch on, Philip, as far as the playoffs are concerned, is Ryan Newman. Again, you know, I know you, you're just you don't really care for him off the racetrack and a lot of things he's done, but you got to give a call to him for what he's done uh, in that six car so far here in 2019. And, and another driver who kind of you look at and you say. He didn't get off to a great start. He really didn't. Um, you know, through after Martinsville, you know, he was six races in the year. He was 19th in points. Even after Texas, seven races into the year, he was 19th in the standings, and they've picked it up. Ninth at Bristol, ninth at Richmond, seventh at Talladega, and then he started rounding off just top 20s. He really has, has top 20 of them to death. You know, since the 600 at Charlotte, he's finished out of the top 20 just once, and that was at Watkins Glen. Um, so he's done a really good job here getting that six car to the points. And I think Ryan Newman, barring a major catastrophe at Darlington and Indianapolis, has really put himself into a situation where he can make, he's going to make these playoffs. I think he's in really good shape now. Um, he did a great job getting – him and Scott Graves did a great job getting stage points last night, staying out there towards the end of that stage. Um, and he fought hard last night. And I know a lot of people – he's not a lot of people's favorite driver right now. But to me, he's done a great job, and he deserves some credit for that. And talk about the other two drivers, Philip, on the, on the edge there, uh, Clint Boyer and Danny, Daniel Suarez. You know, Suarez, goes, in, at his first year at Stewart Haas Racing, um, Boyer is there, and they're only two points apart. You know, Boyer's been there for a few years. They're only two points apart. Uh, Darlington's a track where I think you can see Boyer run good at, but Indianapolis is a track where you might see Suarez run good at. This is going to be, I think, something we're going to see come down to Indianapolis uh, on the final weekend of the regular season. And I guess my question to you is, who do you trust more right now? Uh, I think Clint really did himself some favors last night. He spun and almost and stayed off the wall, and thank God he did because he ended up finishing seventh, and that really helped him a lot. He was the final car in the lead lap. Um, so he really, at his racetrack where he needed to perform and needed to have a good weekend, and one that sort of fits his background a little bit, he was able to go out there and do that. And I think that's a big testament to Clint Boyer, 
But Suarez is right on his heels in, in eighth as well. Uh, how intense is that battle going to be as we get get ready to, to start the playoffs here with two races to go? Yeah, I mean, the, at the end of the day, Newman and the progress that that organization, we talked about this offline, that Roush has made with the combination of Newman and Scott Graves is exponential. Uh, because this time last year, they were nowhere. Uh, Matt Kenseth was pulling out an occasional top 20 here and there. He won a stage at Indy last year, but, you know, they weren't a factor. Newman's getting them top 15s, you know, top 10s. And and, and it's the same Ryan Newman that, what was it, five years ago, took Richard Childress Racing in the 31 car to within, you know, a few laps and maybe a, a one adjustment with no wins to possibly getting a championship. And, you know, so the reality is I have a hard time believing Newman's going to screw himself out of it. It would be somebody would move him or wreck him or something, one of these two races, and they fall out that way. Uh, you know, the Stuart Hoffs intra-team intra battle where they're going to cannibalize themselves is interesting to see. That's what this is all ended up uh, becoming because Newman has given himself a little bit of breathing room, uh, you know, 13 points it looks like, or 12 points between himself and Suarez and 14 on Boyer. Uh, that's, that, that is that is a curious thing, and we talked about that as well. Um, Suarez is starting to get himself, uh, he's starting to feel better and looking better and running. And Bristol's one of his better tracks. He runs all the concrete tracks. I think Indianapolis does fit him much better. But I think he could also do well at Darlington. I think it's uh, off. So the point is Darlington is its own animal. And the reality is it's one of the great racetracks that exists in this world. And you, there's no one way to really, if you can put something together, you can have a good weekend there, you've earned it. And the pressure is really on Quinn Boyer and Mike Bogoravich to show up at Darlington and actually do well. Um, as a Stewart fan, he could never win the Southern 500. Well, Quinn Boyer has to go and win the Southern 500, honestly. I, I really... I there's I have a very hard time believing that Suarez there's a little more energy a little more momentum positive momentum I have a hard time believing on a just a head to head that Boyer is going to be able to beat Suarez here in these next two races uh, personally um, but you know who who knows uh, Darlington's a difficult 500 miles and then Indianapolis. You know, with this package, you never know. Uh, yeah. It could be a wreck fest like a couple of years ago. It could be a boar fest like most of Kyle's wins have been there. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. This is going to be the first year that they've run a package that they've actually run in the last three or four. So, who knows? Maybe somebody that that isn't a Joe Gibbs or a Penske car has a chance. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out there for the Stuart Haas team. Because I would I would probably take my bet on board just because he's been there. He's more, a little bit more experienced. He's a little bit more, bigger of a, a veteran driver. Um, and, you know, I, I trust him more at Darlington. I trust him more at Indianapolis right now than I do Suarez. But, you know, I could totally be wrong. And, and that's what makes it fascinating to see. 917-889-8280 is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles. Lee in Virginia is on the line. Holy, what do you want to talk about tonight? Hi, yes, I'd like to talk about last night at Bristol. I've been a race fan my whole life, and I was kind of disappointed in the way the fans reacted to that race. Uh, when, you, when you go about um, Ryan Newman, uh, listen, the man's got a race to run. He's, he's on the cusp of making the playoffs. He's in the playoffs right now, not guaranteed to be in, but he needs every spot he can get. He needs every point he can get. Uh, I, know he, I, know everybody says he's, I know he's a jerk, and I know everybody says he's a pain in the neck to pass, but He's got a race to run, and I, I was very disappointed in the fans, the way they reacted to Newman today. I understand D. Benedetto made contact with him. 
I understand that there was uh, that that Newman may have raced them a little. I, I have no idea how there's such a thing in, in in sports nowadays of quote unquote racing too hard. No idea. But you know, fans get crazy and go, well, you know, we need to we need these guys to race hard. The moment they go and race hard, now they're saying that they then they need to take it easy on the leaders. Uh, between that and then, I heard some people last night call up the Sirius XM NASCAR radio post race show and say that Denny Hamlin should have let. Uh, uh, Matthew Benedetto win that race. I mean, come on, guys. What what are we doing? What are we doing here? I mean, this is a sport. This is what makes it great. Is the fact that you know if Denny let Matthew Benedetto win that race, at what point is this now? Is this no longer a sport? I was extremely disappointed in some of the reactions I saw from the fan base this week, uh, over the last two days from that race last night. I understand the Benedetto was a tremendous storyline, and him winning would have been a tremendous storyline, but it didn't work out that way. I, you know, it's almost like we got a bunch of spoiled brat fans who want it their way, and if they don't get it their way, they cry and come up with every excuse they can come up with in the book. Sorry, they all got races to run, and it didn't work out your way. We'll move on. But uh, I was very disappointed in what I saw from some of the reactions of the fans this week. Well, I'll say this. I think it was a – Bristol's the type of racetrack, and, and that's what, to me, made this even better was the fact that, you know, Deep Benedetto doesn't have a lot of chances to win – because he was in a second-generation Joe Gibbs racing car. People, you know, uh, that was documented very uh, on PRN and, I think, uh, television touched on it, NBC touched on it a little bit as well. That was a second-generation uh, Joe Gibbs racing car. So for him to go out there and do what he did at Bristol, it just shows you the type of racing that the fans want to see. Um, as far as second-generation cars, you know, if he took a second-generation car to Michigan, he's got no chance of winning that race. I'm sorry, he doesn't. Just because of how those cars are built and and how much we're, we're so used to how light a car is, and they talk about the load on the race cars, and these, teams, these big teams build, uh, build brand-new cars for mile-and-a-half tracks all the time. And so I think Bristol here is one that when you look at it, you kind of say that that's what makes this story even better was the fact that it was Bristol Motor Speedway, and that to me makes it something when you look at it and you say, um, we need more short tracks. I think that even points to that fact that we need more short tracks because to me what happened at Bristol was, uh, was great to see because it, it, you had that, even though it didn't turn out that way, you had a storyline, you had something that could have been great, that could have been something going, man, this, and, and people, I, at the time when it was going on, people were like, this is going to be the biggest win since, and I'm like, I, geez, I don't even know. As far as a team is concerned, getting a team probably, their first probably victory. Probably Regan Smith. Yeah. Regan Smith at at Darlington. Yeah. Or Regan yeah. at 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 Talladega, but that was kind of expected at Talladega, a little bit more because it's Talladega. But um, you know, again, it 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 just shows you to me, Philip, that we need more short tracks in this sport. And I know there's a lot of business behind it, and people are like, oh, you spend other people's money. Baloney! That we need more short tracks in this sport for that exact reason, because teams like like Levine Family can take a second or third generation race car and go out there, and if they hit the setup, they can compete. And that, to me, is what makes this sport so great: is when a, a driver, a team, a crew chief, and everybody outthinks and outsmarts and outperforms individuals on a different day. Now it didn't turn out that way. But it was pretty darn close, and it was just kind of nice to see. To me, that means we need more short tracks in this, Philip. Yeah, I mean, the problem is NASCARs is married because they own ISC, and then with SMI, they're married to these horrendous cookie-cutter racetracks, which generally put on terrible racing, which is why the five, the quote, 550 package, in quote, exists. Um I mean, Bristol this weekend from the Truck Series race, which was a demo, basically a pseudo-demo derby, one groove racetrack, to the Xfinity race, which developed two grooves to the 500 laps last night that, you know, two years ago when I was there, it was mainly a high-line uh, track way on the on the wall itself. They decided to grind off that extreme high line without telling anybody so basically a lane down was the main the high line there was two grooves it was a solid race there was a lot of interesting things that happened 
There were crappy lap cars that went and wrecked people. You had Newman running for his life. But the problem is Reddit, NASCAR listens to Reddit and listens to uh, certain LCD segments of society uh, that insist that, you know, certain people have to be in the spot. It's like, God bless Matthew Benedetto. He's a great salesman. And, you know, when I, he ran well yet last night and, you know, in, a, in an, another place if things landed right, he would have won. But he didn't. It's not Ryan Newman's fault. It's not Matthew Benedetto's fault. It's not Bob Levine's fault that Matthew Benedetto is not going to be in the 95 car. At the end of the day, it's a part of the business. There's a the point is they the NASCAR decided to go with with that 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 idiot what's his name the one that bailed out MW55 Rob Kaufman with this charter system, and because of the charter system, there's 36 cars that get all the money theoretically, and then everybody else is right. less. And the point, it's gotten to the point Daytona used to have, because of all the nonsense of the rules and everything, there used to be 50, 60 cars that showed up to Daytona for the 500. This year, there was like 42 or whatever it was for the Daytona 500, the biggest effing race there is in NASCAR. You want to tell me that that's healthy? You want to tell me that there's viability in the sport? That is BS. This, the all three race. I mean, outside of the cup race, the Xfinity race had a more, had a decent, had some semblance of a qualifying session. The truck race had a, some semblance of a, tr- a qualifying session. The re, that's the point. You can actually compete on a short track. You can actually compete on a super speedway. Most of these people are not right. going to be able to compete on cookie cutter tracks. And yep. NASCAR doesn't see that and doesn't care, and that's why the sport is going down the way it's going. Right. I totally agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and I think you touched on something interesting as far as the charters are concerned. And I think that's big, the biggest problem is that you know, Deep Benedetto doesn't have a ride is because there's just not a lot of competitive rides out there because of the charter situation. You know, the other 36 charters, but six of them are with teams that aren't very competitive, um, that, you know, no disrespect to Starcom or Recreo Racing, but I don't think Di Benedetto is going to go there. Um, so, you know, that, that's three charters right there with two Rick, Rick Ware and, and then Starcom, and then you got maybe a couple others with Premium and, and uh, uh, the, the, the uh, man, the team, the 77 car, Aspire. And, Aspire. Oh, that's five charters right there. Yeah, there's five cars right there where you look at and you go, eesh. You know, that's not, they're not the most competitive. So now he's out of 31 cars, and there's just not a lot of, rides out there, non lot movement going on. Um, and, and, Lee, I know you want to touch on this because I, I screened you before. Um, what are D-Bandetta's options, do you think? I mean, there's talk that maybe there might be an Xfinity Series ride for him. How about um, something in the Cup Series? Maybe the 38th since David Reagan announced his retirement last week. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think the only logical place right now for him to line up in the cup series is the 38 car at front row motorsports. Um, I know it's not the 95 and, and the 95, I think has gotten increased um, an increased alliance here within the last few months from Joe Gibbs racing as well to be able to kind of showcase this car, show Christopher Bell that this car will not suck next year. It will run as good as the Gibbs cars. So you could sell Bell on, on and, and this, whatever sponsor is going to sign there, which I have a sneaking suspicion it might be IK nine solutions. Uh, that it can run up front with the Gibbs cars. I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing that car run so well. Uh, Matthew Benedetto is a good driver as well, but uh, they weren't running this strong anywhere near this close earlier in the year, and they're running real good right now. So um, that 95, it's not as good anywhere near the 38. Um, I think the 38 is going to continue to be the 38 car um, and, and, and run basically where it's ran the last you know two or three years with or without David Reagan. Um, and, you know, Benedetto is going to have to, come up with a decision here of, okay, do I want to run like David Reagan has the last three or four years and, and, you know, be thrilled to death if my car finishes 15th or go to the Xfinity Series and kind of go and compete for wins? The only backlash I'd say of the Xfinity Series is you could end up like Justin Allgaier or Elliot Sadler, somebody who does not come back up to the Cup Series and sticks in the Xfinity Series. Now, Allgaier is thrilled to death doing what he's doing now, but if your ultimate goal is to go back, and I think he and Elliot Sadler both, we're kind of reserved of instead of running like crap in the Cup Series, let's go win Xfinity. 
um, and, and finish out our careers doing that. I don't think that's V. Benedetto's goal. I think his ultimate goal is to get back to the Cup Series and run in a Cup Series team and be competitive with a Cup team and win in Cup. Um, and so if, if that's your goal, I'm not sure going back to the Xfinity Series, I know a lot of people are saying that is the way to go. I don't know if that's the right way to go because you'll end up getting stuck there like Justin Allgaier has, like Elliott Sadler did. So, um, you know, we'll see how it all goes, but it's an interesting way. He's in an interesting predicament here because he could go to the 38 and run like crap, but, but make a living doing what he's doing and, and, and drive for front row motorsports. And he could probably do that for the rest of his career and make a nice living. But will he ever get to the point where he'll win races? I don't know if that team will ever get there. So um, it's an interesting thing. Or if he wants to go back to the Xfinity series, take his chances and win races in the Xfinity series and pray that Rick Hendrick comes calling in a couple next year when Jimmy Johnson decides to hang it up, because there's no way after 20 Jimmy's racing after 2020, if they keep running the way they're running, there's no way in the world. I agree. So, uh, Rick doesn't have anybody waiting in the wings. I know a lot of people were like, Noah Gregson, Noah Gregson, Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson hasn't done anything in the Xfinity Series. He's a bunch of years away still from the Cup Series. He's got two old veterans there, and Allgaier and and uh, and uh, Annette, who aren't going – they're not going back to the Cup Series at Junior Motorsports. And then they've got the All-Star car with them. None of those guys are ready for Cup. So you look at it and you say, Rick Hendrick doing what he did with William Byron when he had nobody ready is going to have to pluck another guy. Matt Benedetto could wait around like Alex Bowman did for a ride like that yeah. and, you know, take his chances on a one-year deal. It, it, he's in an interesting predicament there because there could be some rides opening up. Boyer could be on a one-year deal. Eric Jones, who I tell you what, guys, I, I don't think it's getting enough play how much he screwed up last night. I mean, I, I heard Hermie Sapper on today. I almost lost my, I almost lost my breakfast when Hermie Sadler said, quote, he had bad luck last night. Eric Jones drove that car on the wall by himself, and he was leading the race. So let's not say it was bad luck. That was on Eric Jones. That's on nobody but Eric Jones. So I don't want to hear anything that, you know, Eric Jones has done this quite a bit now where he's screwed up and can't finish it. And if he continues to run like that at Joe Gibbs Racing in 2020, that ride is going to be open quicker than you could think, and the 95 might be open again because Matthew Benedetto could go there when Chris Bell goes to the 20 if Jones continues to not be able to close the deal like he did last night. I know I'm being hard on him, but it is his third year in Cup, and eventually he got to close the deal, and he did not last night. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that, that you have to – evaluate these things because this is what happens. Matthew Benedetto was almost was in a much better shot than Eric Jones was as far as closing the deal. He did a much better job last night. So you have to do that because there's just so much competition, especially now because there's just not a lot of good, great rides open up out there. Uh, Spencer, do you think that's an opportunity as far as, and I love what Lee just brought up because I thought about that last night watching Di Benedetto thinking this sort of could have been Di Benedetto's Alex Bowman's Phoenix. And if you remember when Alex Bowman was substituting for Dale Earnhardt Jr. before Dale Jr. decided to announce his retirement, uh, when Dale Jr. was hurt the first time and sat out the, the, a half a year, the, he ran Phoenix and led a ton of laps, and then a caution came out, and he got passed. I think he ended up third, second or third and just didn't win. But I think it opened everybody's eyes up to Alex Bowman and said, Alex Bowman can win races in the Cup Series given the right opportunity. And Rick Hendricks said, hey, let's get this guy. He sort of sat out uh, two years ago and, you know, did some simulation work for Hendrick Motorsports, ran a couple of Xfinity Series races, and then got into the 88 car full time. Do you think there's an opportunity for maybe Di Benedetto to do the same thing? While I think I totally agree with Lee on this as well with, you know, Jimmy Johnson's pending retirement after 2020. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I wish Lee could be part of the show. He always brings good, uh, good information. And he's, you know, he's right on with NASCAR. He knows his stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's quite a different options. You know, he could go to the 38, and he also brought up the Jimmy Johnson deal if, when Jimmy Johnson's done. But you have other guys that are out there um, that deserve a good Cup ride, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan. But look at Ross Chastain. What makes why does Matt Benedetto deserve the next ride over Ross or any other low tier driver that's out there winning? You know what I'm saying? And I'm not picking a favorite, I'm just throwing that in there. Um, or he can I go agree. down to the Xfinity I totally series, agree. he can go down to the Xfinity series. And they did a thing on Fox with Justin Algar. Do you want to go back to the Cup Series? He said, I'm content with where I'm at, I'm competing for races, I'm competing for championships and wins. And I'm having fun. He's making a living. You know, he has a nice home. He has a wife. He has a daughter. He has a family. He's making money, and he's enjoying life. 
And you guys touched on that. Uh, he could go down there and have a great life and still race. But Matt DiBenedetto wants to be on top. He wants to be in the Cup Series. Um, and he wants to win on the Cup Series. And he said that in his interview. He was, he was damn near crying because he's so dedicated to his job and his, wants to be there. He really does. And, um, but, you know, he could go in the Xfinity Series and stay there, win races. And maybe that will bring in sponsorship. And maybe that sponsor would want to go Cup racing. You never know. There's so many scenarios. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's, just, there's only one ride that makes sense, and that's the 38. But will he go there? Um, you know, it's, if I was given the opportunity to go finish 15th in the Cup Series or go win races in the Xfinity Series, I would say the Xfinity Series. I want to be in victory lane. I want to show people that I can wheel a race car and put it in victory lane for my sponsors, my team, and everybody who funds me to get to the racetrack. So it's diff- he's in a difficult situation. You know, he has to think about his family and what he wants to do. And um, whatever he does, I'm sure he would, uh, he'll be good at it. Oh, I agree. I think, you know, you brought up a good point, though, as far as Ross Chastain is concerned. I kind of want to go there, and I hate to do this because I try to never do this, but it's so relevant to the topic. Um, I'm writing a piece tomorrow for Front Stretch. It's going to run uh, on Tuesday morning, um, and it's basically saying how there's a few other drivers, and I won't get too much detail because I don't want to give it away, but there's other drivers out there besides Steve Benedetto who are in a similar situation as Steve Benedetto. You mentioned Chastain. That's possibly one. Uh, there's a couple of other guys who are good drivers, have done everything that, that's expected of them in their seat or their future for 2019 – or for 2020, excuse me, is up in the air. And that's what makes that 38 car so scary is – Sure, it's open. We know it's open. It's a good, decent ride for somebody. But there could be as much as four, five, six drivers who are vying for that ride. And you know whether that's Corey LaJoy, if, if the 32 wants to align with, with um, Stuart House Racing and Cole Custer goes there, which has been rumored a little bit, or whether Cust- – you know, and, and Custer could eventually go to the Cup and Front Row Motorsports be aligned with Stuart Haas Racing and Custer goes to the 38, and that takes out that ride for everybody. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know. And I think there's going to be some more than just Steve Benedetto saying, well, oh, that's the perfect fit, because it's not. There's other talented drivers out there who are um, you know, going to be out of a ride as far as 2020, who might be out of a ride as far as 2020 is concerned, and there's just not a lot of seats open. And that's, again, you know, you look at it and you say that is – Part of the problem with this charter situation is that there's just not the, – the middle ground teams, I think that's what's hurt the, the charter situation the most, the middle ground teams, the front row motorsports of the world, where I think they're not a, a team where people look at it and go, oh, they're awful. I'm not going to be there. But they look at it and go, okay, that's a decent ride. But those decent rides are kind of all gone. There's maybe a, a handful of them, JTG you throw in there, uh, maybe RPM at the back end of that. But you know, then you got the really good rides where everybody's pretty much performing very well, and they're not going to get replaced. So um, it's just it's kind of an interesting situation, I guess, is what I'm getting at. There's just not a lot of great rides out there. Um, Lee, anything else from the weekend? Whether it's Xfinity, we'll get to the Xfinity Series and Truck Series next. Whether it's Xfinity or trucks that stood out to you before we move on here. To Lee. The Lee, yes. Hey, so. so- I tell you what, the Xfinity Series, I got a hats off to a guy named, like, uh, Jeremy Clements. I mean, you know, he's a guy who's been running in this Xfinity Series for a bunch of years. He's an owner, driver, independent, um, and great run. Finished fourth the other night in the Xfinity race. Um, and I, I know people don't like Ray Golding very much because he seems like a snot-nosed kid and he's got a lot of money behind him. But anytime that kid's been in a ride, it's been somewhat competitive. He's done a good job with it. Uh, you can call him what, as you see it, and you can call him, you know, spoiled rotten, what, whatever you want. That's fine. But Gray's done a good job at everything that he's been in that's been somewhat competitive. And this SS Greenlight car hasn't been this good in a lot of years. Um, and so, uh, you know, Greg Alding did another good job in, in the in the Xfinity race the other night. Give him a lot of credit. Um, on the truck side, you know, I think Chastain's going to be the one to beat in this, in this playoff. And Moffitt, uh, Moffitt to me in the playoffs is going to be hard to beat because he's so good on restarts. And that's what these series, that's what NASCAR comes down to now. And Moffitt is so damn aggressive on restarts and he's so good on restarts. He's like what Ron Hornaday used to be back in the day. Uh, he's so good on restarts that he's going to be very, very tough to beat. And he showed that on, thir- on Thursday in the, in the Xfinity race or in the truck race. 
at Bristol, he's going to be the guy to beat in the, in the truck series. Yeah, I I, I think yeah. those are the two for sure as far as the trucks and uh, Xfinity series. Lee, thanks so much for, for calling tonight. You do you bring a, a lot to the show, and, and uh, please night, be sure to call again. Thanks. That was Lee in Virginia, and we'll get to the Xfinity Series race right now because he mentioned that. It's fresh in everybody's brain. He talked about Jeremy Clements finishing fourth. Tyler Reddick went to victory lane. Then it was Chase Briscoe in second. John Hunter Nemechek third. Clements, as we mentioned, in fourth. Then Austin Sindrick fifth. He also talked about Greg Galding in sixth. Another driver who I know he was very impressed with um, that didn't get mentioned, but a, a hell of a run for Timmy Hill in the 61, finishing seventh. Great job by Justin Allgaier in eighth. Michael in ninth, and then Landon Castle and Johnny Davis's car uh, finishing in a tenth spot, two laps back. Uh, what stood out to you, Philip, as far as the Xfinity Series race on Friday night? Um, you know, we know the playoffs are pretty much set, uh, and we talked about the big three and another big three won there on uh, on Friday night. But was there anything that stood out to you um, as far as what Bristol was concerned for the Xfinity Series? I mean, considering what we talked about on Wednesday where <clears throat> it was like a fait accompli that it was going to be Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, or Jones, uh, Kyle Busch did have a really good race car, and he led 131 of the first 171 laps of the race and then blew up. Uh, he probably was going to win. Uh, Eric Jones and Joey Logano were taken out in an early wreck, which also affected Cole Custer and... Uh, Christopher Bell. So you take out four of the best race cars, that also affects the final result. But Christopher Bell, somehow or another, pulled a 14th out of his butt. Uh, I don't know how he does that, but that's part of why he's so good. Uh, I mean, you do, like Lee said, talking about Clemens getting a fourth. The way that team has been running, it's been the last few weeks here it's going all the way back to Iowa when uh, Chase Bristol won. That 51 has kind of hit on something. They've been on a little bit of a run here. Going to going to Road America here this coming weekend where he is a former winner, that would be the one thing that could flip this thing on its lid. It's possible. It's not out in, in – I mean, D. Benedetto will be there. There's a couple other people that are going to be there. For this race on uh, Saturday because it's a cup off weekend so but I have to say there's going to be that 51 has a chance and I would love to see it I think a lot of people would love to see it uh, an underdog team make this uh, playoff it'd be good for his organization to be able to lock in a little bit more money end of the season as well Greg Galding it's true he's kind of earned his his uh, PR hits that he's got, but that Bobby Dotter team, the 08, he almost won a Talladega earlier this year, getting a lead lap finish, sixth place finish at Bristol's solid. Uh, Timmy Hill, though, honest to God, I mean, Carl Long's team, that's a combination Carl Long, uh, Hattori deal. Uh, and Timmy Hill, that's the best run I think he's had in years. Uh, that that car was fast all weekend, and he goes and gets that seven-place finish for Car Long for that whole organization. That's a huge uh, deal for them, huge finish. Um, Got to give credit, Timmy Hill, former Cup Series Rookie of the Year. So, uh that that's a big one. I mean, Allgaier had that race one, cut a tire down. Uh, Brock shot Brandon Jones. He passed two cars. Great pass. Next thing you know, he put in the fence. They, it had everything. That Xfinity race had everything you wanted in terms of uh, entertainment for sure. Uh, they, I think next year's uh, when it's on the bubble, it's the chase cutoff or it's a chase race or whatever it is. Is going to be a much bigger crowd uh, because of what we saw here uh, last night and the last three nights. Uh, some of the guys that are underground, you know, like the right outside the bubble had some decent runs too. So, I mean, it was an interesting yeah. race. And Tyler Reddick, he, four failed, he failed inspection four times and he still won the race. 
So it tells you all that matter. You don't have to pass inspection. The car's so fast, so who cares? <laughs> and he, he actually did a pass-through penalty at Bristol and was able to, to work his way back and get his laps back. Now, obviously, there were some cautions in there that helped him, but uh, a nice, a really nice job by Tyler Reddick in that two team. We move to the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series here quick. Uh, we'll, pre- we'll review that a little bit. Uh, top ten was Brett Moffat in first. Chandler Smith, a good run for the Cobbush Motorsports team in second. Chast- Russ Chastain finished third. He had some issues. Went, had to go all the way to the rear, battled back for a third-place finish. Then it was Stuart Friesian, Grant Enfinger, Sheldon Creed, Matt Crafton, Ben Rose, Todd Gilliland, and Austin Hill, the top ten, with Johnny Sauter, who got involved in the wreck, finishing in the 11th spot there as well. As far as the playoffs are concerned, since they're in their playoffs, Moffat won the advances. Then it's Chastain in second, Stuart Friesian in third, Kraft in fourth, tied with his teammate Enfinger. Then it's Sauter sixth, and the last two guys here who are kind of out uh, looking in as, as we get they get ready to go. I think it's most sport the next track. Um, it's yep. Austin Hill in seventh, and then Tyler Ankrum in eighth uh, for the Truck Series event. Um, truck Series points as concerned. Spencer, what's up to you? I mean, Chastain? Got a little bit of, of flack there. Rafael Assad was one driver. I know that came up to him at the end, driving a 46 truck for Cobbush Motorsports. It was kind of like what he's doing. Ross is a very, very aggressive driver. I feel like the aggressiveness hurt him a little bit on, on Thursday night, just a little bit, and I think he's starting to ruffle some feathers. It's going to be interesting to see if he can sort of smooth everybody over uh, because I would not want to have anybody that's an enemy to me running in the playoffs because they could – say, you know what, this guy kind of roughs me up, I'm going to rough him up, and he's got a lot more to lose than these other drivers do, so um, I, I thought Ross was just a little bit overly aggressive um, on, on Thursday night, but he's an aggressive race car driver, and he doesn't seem to care that, that, that people um, get upset at him, and I, I, I admire that, because there's not a lot of drivers who could put up with that. Um, what were your thoughts on the whole Truck Series event uh, on Thursday night at Bristol? Yeah, I agree. You know, there's a uh a certain point where you're too aggressive and you just don't care. Um, but, you know, he said it, I'm committed to the bottom line and then I'm not lifting. And I don't know when Joey Logano said this, but he came out one year and he said, you have got to be aggressive to win these races. He goes, if you're not aggressive, don't show up. And and I kind of – and I agree with that. I, I do, and I, I 100% agree with that. The competition is too, too good. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's – I mean, sometimes you have to lift it a little bit. You can't just run over a dude. Um, but he committed to the bottom line, and that's what he said. So if he now you know if Chastain's on the bottom and he commits, um, you best not get in his way or you're going to turn on the wall. Um, but, yeah, he's an aggressive driver. He's always been. I mean, we've seen his teammate Haley get mad at him. I forget what race it was. And took him up the racetrack. So, um, I don't know. I just feel with a championship on the line, you know, I feel like we're, we all think we all agree that he's going to make it to the Final Four, but you don't want a ton of enemies. Um, at least don't get the other championship contenders on your bad side because um, then it's really going to be tough for you. But Rafael Lazard having a good run. Chandler Smith, I knew he would do good there, short track racer. Um, I don't know how many more times they have to be in the truck, so I don't if he has to worry about with Rafael Lazard a couple more times this year. Um, but just don't – don't beat up on your competition too bad. You don't want that. And, um, I mean, but, yeah, a little a little overboard. Cruz came up to him, and when Rafael Lazard was talking to him, Ross was just like, hey, you know, Ross acted like he didn't care. And Ross did what he did, and third-place finish. But um, I thought – we all thought it. I, I thought he could have won. Um, but, you know, he had to, this speeding on pit road kind of hurt him. So, um, another top five for him. So, um, it was a crazy race. It was a demolition derby, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, and that being up the road is something Chastain hasn't done a lot of, but I'll say this, he can't keep doing that. You know, and I and again, Lee talked about it earlier, how you might sit there and go, well, that's nitpicky or we're hard on these guys. You know, you have to be perfect or very close to it. And I'll let one slide on speeding on pit road, but you can't can't do that just getting aggressive. And especially at a place like Bristol where track position is so important, and we saw it. He had probably the best truck there on Thursday night, and he finished third with it because of that speeding penalty on pit road. And I think that's over, that's why he was overly aggressive to get up through the field because he knew he screwed up and he needed, um, you know, a little bit more help. 
And I know he had some kind of pit road issue, other pit issues as well, where his team kind of let him down a little bit. But you can't keep doing that stuff. So uh, if you want to, you have to be perfect. And it, it's okay because he's gotten a lot of points from winning races. Uh, so he'll be all right. And I think as far as the championship is concerned, it's good. But they have to clean up what happened. Um, and I know you sit there and go, he still finished third. But still, you know, he, he dodged a couple of wrecks. You know, you don't want to be back there and um, and, and be in, in trouble. So he certainly got a couple of weeks to, to, you know, to win. He could certainly win at the road course, I think, and he can definitely win at Las Vegas. Uh, that's that's his bread and butter. I think the mile and a half for Nice Motorsports are really his bread and butter. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking circles tonight. I want to thank Quentin and uh, Lee in Virginia for calling. Uh, great show t- tonight, guys. Great stuff. And we'll see you Wednesday here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.